Welcome to Extension Out Loud, a podcast from Cornell Cooperative Extension. I'm Paul Treadwell. And I'm Katie Bailden. You're listening to the second part of our episode on local roads. And this is an interview with Jeff Griswold, the Preble Highway Superintendent. So please enjoy. My name is Jeff Griswold. I'm the Preble Highway Superintendent. I've been there since uh, 2000. In my earlier life as highway superintendent, I was also the executive committee for the Highway Superintendents of New York. And I served as uh, all the way up to president and then a couple years as past president. Well, welcome to Extension Out Loud. So we were talking to David Orr about the local roads program here at Cornell and one of the fascinating things to me is, you know, here we are sitting on the hill in Ithaca, New York. It's this Ivy League institution. And yet we have this program that works with folks like you to to do what? How do you take advantage of local roads? What's the benefit to you? The biggest piece of it that I can appreciate is that for me, being just 40-minute drive away from here, it's local to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, Not to everybody in the state, but they're centrally located and a lot of people can take advantage of that and the the biggest and that's geographically now as far as the actual program mm-hmm. i want to say it's in bite-sized pieces it's something you can grab a hold of in a day or two and then you move on mm-hmm. you know and the subject matter is intense for that little bit there's not a lot of slush in between the programs have been developed by people that walk in the same shoes that i walk in mm-hmm. So it's a good program. It's something we're very busy people. Uh, small highway departments. Uh, I drive, a, you know, carry CDL license. I drive the big trucks. I do payroll every two weeks. I'm my own secretary. I answer my own phone. You know, right down to sweep the floors and take out the trash. So I have my own plow route. So I, it's soup to nuts for me. Uh-huh. You come to Cornell. You need to learn something. Bam, you can find a program or a, a class and you can you know grab what you need out of it mm-hmm. so that's the biggest thing is it's concentrated it's not a lot of fluff what kind of things are you learning about are you learning about how to fix potholes better or uh, you know why don't you plow my road when you know oh sure uh, <laughs> it is pothole season is, is coming up here next month <laughs> yeah. so but no, uh, and if we do it right, we don't have any potholes. That's the best pothole to have is none at all. Um, so we, we try to, to do the job right the first time. Um, it's awful expensive these days to do trial and error. Mm-hmm. So if we can learn how to do it right out of the gate, do it right, and have a good result, it's uh, a win-win for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, the processes, the asphalt prices, since I started 20 years ago, the asphalt prices have have gone up a threefold so you know it, it's insane what i used to be able to do and i can't do anymore we used to do complete roads mm-hmm. what road are you gonna work on this year this road this road this road nowadays 20 years forward what roads are we going to work on this year well it's seven or eight different roads but it's little pieces of the roads that have gone bad we can't afford to do that whole road huh. as a small town so we do we pick out the worst section of it and do it we don't want to cover up a road that still has some life in it. Hmm. So, and along those lines, knowing when to do the process, same thing. Uh-huh. Don't cover up a good road, but don't let a good road go bad. 
So this may be a, a challenging question for you based on what you've already told us, but um, <laughs> what's a typical day like for you beyond the, the administrative stuff? Basically, I split it into three basic, the rules of three, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, winter is winter. Mother Nature rules. I call my guys the night before so they know when to get up in the morning. So the 6.15 news report is real big for me every night all winter. I sit and watch it. I call my guys. I'll say, be there at 4 o'clock in the morning. We're going to start. Most of the time, I'm pretty close with that. So that's the winter mode. You go in, you plow. Sometimes you plow again. Sometimes you plow three, four times. Each plow route, three hours and 15 minutes long average. So everybody says, well, I haven't seen a plow truck in four hours. You're right, you haven't. But you'll see one in 10 minutes. We do have to go back, fuel up, get a bite to eat, get the trucks reloaded, and take five minutes, just walk around and keep your sanity. Uh So that's winter. Summer, generally the weather breaks once it does, hopefully early this year. It's uh, right. Actually, right now I'm working on summer projects, getting easements, funding sources, engineering done, things like that. The summer work is already started for me mm-hmm. in, in February, so that we can, when the weather does break, we'll be able to hit the ground running. That's part of it too. There, there's always overlap. So then summers, we start at six in the morning done at 3.30 in the afternoon. We do that four days a week, and then we just do Friday mornings. Gives the guys a you know, two-and-a-half-day weekend after they worked weekends all winter long. Mm-hmm. Summer, you know, everybody expects you out there paving and stuff. I can blow my complete general maintenance and, and my chips money in three days of paving and oil and stoning. Boom, you're gone. You've got to save enough money to do culvert repairs and you know all the little things we've gotten real big the last few years in cutting trees mm-hmm. we could cut hundreds of trees and i'm not i love trees i'm a nature guy i like to go out and enjoy nature but uh next to a road they're problematic mm-hmm. so that's become a big part of our summer program and like i said if we had three i break it into threes because then there's the administrative that I slide in somewhere in there, okay? (laughs) So, like in the winter, I'll actually have my guys come in and check the roads, which is rare. Most of the time, it's a highway superintendent. But they'll come in and check the roads at 4 a.m. They'll swap weekends. So I'll take a weekend, one of the other guys, and then the other. So there's three of us. And then I'll come in at my normal 6 o'clock time. But they, they go home at noon. I'm there till three three thirty four o'clock if it's not a town board meeting night <laughs> and then you're there till eight eight thirty at least so and i did that for self-preservation to be honest with you it was got to a point where i'm going out at two thirty three o'clock in the morning checking roads uh, early on i was calling guys in that's not great for home life for them when the wife answers the phone uh, kids get woke up so I eliminated that with what I mentioned earlier, uh, calling them the night before. But then I was finding I was working 12 or 13 hours a day all winter long, and it was beating me up. Mm-hmm. And 
I want to feel good about going to the job. I don't want to feel like it's it's beating me down. It, it's a nice job, but I just had to learn how to regulate my time. So let's talk about roads and there are so you're the in town of preble is that right or town of preble uh, northern Cortland county yes all right so you have you have the town then you have the county and then you have the state correct yes so like route 81 which runs right past preble you're not involved in well not directly okay <laughs> but here's the neat thing and just recently state of new york put up signs when you come into the town of preble says town of preble mm-hmm. never had them before till a couple of years ago now i'm getting calls that i this is wrong with the road or whatever they they just google town of preble boom i'm the guy they call so and i forward that on to the state no problem uh, i've gotten to know uh kathy down at the state barn you know quite well mm-hmm. uh, she <laughs> expects a call from me every couple of weeks but uh, so not directly um but occasionally that the state road you know have a bad accident or it gets closed down and that traffic ends up over on our network mm-hmm. so if we hear there's an accident or something usually it's in the winter we'll go and hammer the roads quick because you know there's going to be a lot of traffic coming on to the, the county and the town network so we, we try to work with that and we don't need another accident on one of our roads just because of increased volume so how many miles of roads are you responsible for well and that's a deceiving point too, okay? And, and this is what I've learned, okay? 25.4 miles, centerline miles. And you think, well, that's no big deal. From where I am, that's not even to Whitney Point and back mm-hmm. on the interstate. If I get in my pickup truck on any given day just to check my roads, don't plow them, don't do anything. Don't pick up a branch. Just check them all, just looking them over. That's uh, three and a half hours to do those 25 because they're, very few of them are connected. I've uh-huh. got to get on. It's a it's a broken network, and that's what the public doesn't understand. They look at that twenty five miles. That number is just so not on the same scale as a state or even a county road. To be honest, uh-huh. uh, cul de sacs. Uh, I'd like to meet the person that invented the cul de sac. We could have a nice <laughs> lively discussion. Um, obviously, the person that invented the cul de sac never drove a plow truck. Because in the end of that cul-de-sac, somebody's going to get a pile of snow. And that's good for a a couple of phone calls a year. They're impossible to pave. Pavers don't like to go around circles. Okay? (laughs) Just multiple reasons. But we do have a few Mm cul-de-sacs. And on top of it, our cul-de-sacs are right next to the lakes. Everybody likes trees. So we actually have to buy a plow truck that can plow the cul-de-sacs and be big enough to plow it, but not too big to turn around at the end of it. Where other towns that don't have these cul-de-sacs don't have to buy that specific piece of machinery Mm -hmm. that we use basically just in the winter, just for plowing. Some of my roads, I can throw a stone from one end to the other. And and it takes time to turn onto that road, to turn around and to come back off of it Mm -hmm. versus, you know, just going on and picking up the blade and going to another road. So probably... 40 or some percent of my roads are dead-end roads. Okay. So you have to, everything's a turnaround. To add a little more light to that, when 81 went through Preble, it it divides the town right in two. Hmm. It literally took a bunch of roads that were not dead-end and made them dead-end. They dead-end at the interstate. And uh, a lot of people will see one of my roads thinking they can get on the interstate by driving down this (laughs) dead-end road. (laughs) 
and then you have a, a tractor trailer stuck at the end of the road wow. because they can't get turned around. So, wow. So are they mostly residential roads? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we do have some industry, which is uh, right along the I-81 corridor. Mm-hmm. We've actually built a couple of roads in the last 10 years for to bring in some companies, but it's mostly residential, yes. You mentioned uh, the lake, and I assume that's Little York. That's is that Little York, or what there's that's one of them. There's okay, Tully Lake, uh, Song Lake, Goodale Lake. Oh, okay. Okay, uh, of all the towns within Cortland County, Preble has more surface water, lakes, ponds, what have you, than all the other towns combined. Huh. If you look at a map of the county, which is good. I mean, it helps with our tax base, obviously. But what used to be uh, tar paper shacks years ago with little narrow roads that went to them have turned into year-round homes. Uh, I mentioned trees. <laughs> Everybody likes to drive down their little camp that is now this four-bedroom house, but they want to drive through this little winding path with trees, which is idyllic. You know, I, I understand. I really do. Uh-huh. But when you get foot, foot and a half of snow and have no place to push it, the trees are an issue. So... Yeah, that's inter- I mean, that's something I hadn't thought, thought about is back in the olden days, there were seasonal shacks that you would take your family to, but now you have to maintain those roads. And Absolutely, and that's been a double-edged sword. We have a lot of roads that aren't mine that are private roads that go down to four or five camps, and the switch-off for that is, okay, it's a private road. You can say who can be on it or not if you own the road, mm-hmm. okay, but fire department needs to get there 24 hours a day and it's got to be maintained and all this stuff and they don't keep it wide enough and so we're at a i'm not gonna say a turning point but we're at a a bend in the road where a lot of these people are asking the town to take these roads over and they're nowhere near a town spec so so these are like fire lanes basically yes yes you know what used to be that tar paper shack that was you know forty thousand dollars on the lake, because of the lake, is now a $400,000 house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, their insurance companies are saying, well, where's your access anymore? Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want to see a big loss. So, so if I have my 400, yeah, what's dream? If I have my $400,000 <laughs> house on the lake sure. and I decide that I'm going to give my road to the town of Preble, who pays for that? How does that get uh, allocated? And yeah, tell me about yeah, that. Okay. <laughs> That's the other thing that uh, Cornell has graciously done at the highway school. Every year we have the Association of Towns, which sponsors highway school, brings in a legal panel. Uh-huh. And it's year after year the best attended uh, session of the of the highway school. So, I mean, there's the le- – and I want to point out that that's the legal end of it, okay? Mm-hmm. And there are ways you uh, basically – can create a special tax district and everybody that's on that road has to agree because you can't tax somebody with, for something that they don't want well theoretically <laughs> so you can do that and the, the flip side is then the town you know takes the road over immediately takes that special tax money over say 10 years mm-hmm. and brings the road up to the spec through written agreements and some legalese and all that that that's about the only way you can really have it happen i've had some people say well how much is it going to cost to bring it up to spec and when you start talking 
seven or eight hundred thousand uh, dollars to put in the drainage that's necessary, a new sub base, and get it up to where it meets the the town spec. They, their eyes roll backwards. So that's the first thing they think. Oh, we'll just we'll just pay, have it done, and you guys take it over. Uh, then that special tax district starts looking a little better if it's something that you can take over. And a lot of these people are paying couple two three thousand dollars a year to have their road plowed right so over time yes it would pay for itself especially if you're paying an increased insurance premium or something too with that goes the idyllic tree-lined beautiful little lane and now it's going to be wider it's going to be you know paved and and something we can take care of with our big trucks and if somebody wants to come walk down that road they can can do that. It's public right away at that point. What is your role with emergency response? How do you work with the emergency responders? Until nine years ago, we worked so well together. It was amazing because I was the fire chief. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after I did that for se- I was fire chief before I became highway superintendent. So I did that for seventeen years. So there's. At that time, it, it was very close, and, and we understood, you know, when you go to a uh, town board meeting and, and talk about an issue, and then you go to the fire commissioner's meeting, and you can, you know, have that open communication with without going between people. It, it's amazing what we actually accomplished. Uh, we set up some contracts. Uh, it's the same tax base, but it's a different taxing entity. So we have to set up contracts. If a town highway superintendent wants to use a fire truck to flush out a culvert, great piece of equipment, okay, to have a truck with 1,500 gallons of water and a pump and be able to flush out a culvert that's got, you know, debris in it. I don't have anything like that, obviously, and you'd actually have to go to a village or a city to get a truck that might be able to do it. So, you know, to be able to use that truck for that purpose, which we do, and then the flip side of it is we plow the fire station's parking lot, keep it open for them. They don't have a you know, pickup or a guy to, you know, or a contract to pay. So we take care of that 24 hours a day so that the fire station's always plowed. So it's a give and take. You know, it's, it's the same taxpayers is the, is the main key. But emergency services, even now, I'm still active. I'm just not the chief. You know, if I hear a call and I know the roads are bad, I'll shoot down to the shop, grab a truck. We, you know, if the roads are going to be bad, we leave some material on them. Can fire up a truck and and make sure that the the fire trucks get in and can get out or what's needed. So it's, I'm I'm listening to that all the time. So it's it's a very close relationship actually. Hmm. Is this common across small communities across New York State that they'll have that? relationship between emergency services and uh, the highway department and things like that it's amazing like when i was on the executive committee meeting and talking to the other members from all across the state many are heavily involved in the fire department um few have been you know past chiefs and things like myself and yeah absolutely and just like anything else i'm sure there's a percentage that there's just they butt heads okay Uh i don't doubt that but i mean overall i really think it's a good relationship uh there's a lot of you know we're in town all day so you know uh i've got you know professional drivers available so my guys if needed can drive a tanker they may not be a pump operator or or truck but they can drive a truck you know as good or better than a lot of the firemen Mm -hmm. and we're in town 
So that helps out, I think, you know, at different times. Thanks for listening to this episode. Extension Out Loud was produced and edited by Paul Treadwell with help from Katie Belden and R.J. Anderson. For more about this episode, including show notes, a listener survey, uh, sign up for our mailing list, and more, visit extensionoutloud.com. And be sure to subscribe to Extension Out Loud on your favorite podcast directory.